Welcome to the Extra Pass podcast presented by Melbourne United. I'm your host, Ben Hopkins, joined as always by my co-host, back after a week off, Adam Ballinger. Balls, how are you? It's a holiday blowout extravaganza episode. Yeah, it's a big episode. It's a special episode. You're back and we have a very special guest, Brad Newley, joining us in the studio. How are you, Brad? Very excited to be here, gentlemen. Uh, I haven't done a podcast for a while. I actually hosted one a few years ago when I was playing up the road about 800 kilometres away. And I see that's just started again. So I'm looking forward to being on here today with you boys and sharing some of my career and my current thoughts on the game of basketball. How's it been? It's been, a you know, coming off a pretty exciting week, uh, you know, double win, round two, you know, important wins, solidifying that spot on the ladder. You know, what are the feelings coming out of that? Yeah, pretty awesome, man. Uh, anytime we can go and beat Southeast by that kind of margin on, on their home court for their home game is uh, is always fun. Uh, yeah, everybody did their roles really well and then, Short turnaround into an Adelaide team with a new coach, um, with a bit of a new mentality. And, you know, they put us to the sword a little bit uh, late in that game. But, you know, once again, the guys come out and, uh, and did a hell of a job and got the win. It was a pretty balanced effort too. So, yeah, the vibes are good. Um, anytime we have a couple wins, we normally have like a lunch during the week and just sit around and reflect and, you know, talk a little bit of rubbish about what's been going on around the place. And it's just, just a good feeling around the club and just, just enjoying keeping that going at the moment. Yeah, well, we got to enjoy a, a delicious lunch shortly before jumping Delicious on. lunch, thanks to Ronnie's. Matt Butcher and the, the crew came through with a beautiful feed. Go check them out. They're in the CBD. Anytime you yeah, want to take your wife or partner for a nice meal, that's where you want to go. Yeah, I am. I ate too much. I'll, I'll admit that. I ate too much. It was delicious and I couldn't stop myself. I should eat more. That was really, really good stuff. So... I would say right now, basketball-wise, in your career, there's a few times where you're just cruising. You know, like it, it's a, it really is right now. It would seem to me as this is the best job in the world. Sometimes when you're losing, if you're not playing as well, it's not as fun, and you can fight back against everyone else thinking it's the best job in the world. But people from the outside looking in be like, man, it's like you're playing, you know, you're around a bunch of good guys. You're, you're on a winning team. Everyone gets along. You're getting free feeds. You finish by... Two o'clock. Two o'clock might be the latest you go on a lot of days, especially at this point in the season. Um, is it? I mean, can you step back a little bit and think, yeah, it, it's pretty good. Like this is good. This doesn't always happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably in that personally in that position more than anyone, given my age and how long I've been playing the game for. Um, it hasn't been like that for 20 years. I tell you that. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of tough days. You know, you even look back to last year, we had we had some hard moments, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm funny, like, when people say that you've got the best job in the world, that kind of comment, like, it, it's more than kind of a job. It's like a passion and it's your love. So it's, yeah, I, it's hard for me to kind of uh, nail exactly how I feel about the current situation. But, um, yeah, it does make life a lot easier when, when you're coming home and you're putting wins on the board for sure. Yeah, we had Treno on last week and sort of talked about this group and the importance of culture and the importance of having a really good group of guys. Can you give us a bit of an insight, you know, it seems like on the court, off the court, you guys just love being around each other and the camaraderie is there. Can you give us a bit of an insight into how important that is? Yeah, I, th I think it's huge. Um, most good teams I've ever been a part of um, have, have had guys who've got along really well. Even even when I played overseas in Europe, where like guys didn't even speak the same language, but we somehow had some sort of communication where we all enjoyed each other's company. And I, I think that's the most important. But on top of all that, it's what happens on the floor. Like, you know, you've got the blue squad, you've got the white squad, you've got the goldies and the orange bibs. Um, that's a battle every day. And to be able to leave the floor and still get along, given the intensity that we're going at, I think that's a huge thing. And I think uh, if it wasn't like that, then we'd have some problems. We'd all just be friends. 
So I, I think the, the way, where we're at with that is, is really good. Um, and I think there's, that's no secret to our success. We've got a good age group mix. We've got some older guys, we've got younger guys, and then we all kind of talk to each other. There's no little groups or anything. And they, 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 I mean, there is little groups, but we all mix around and we make sure everyone gets along with each other. And uh, the way we do our video, it's an open session. Um, we, we do like group activities together, make people who might be a little bit quiet. We put them in positions where they need to talk a little bit more, which is great for their personal growth. And sometimes us yappers, we can sit back and just, you know, let the young fellas talk a little bit, which isn't so bad. Yeah. And I guess you, you talk about, you know, all the, the different squads we've got, we just saw out on the practice floor, you were with the white squad, had a pretty dominant day, it seemed like, but how important is it to have the depth of talent on a team like this that wants to have success because you can go out every day and push each other. Yeah, I think it's massive. I think at times I felt because a lot of the time I'm in the gold school and the gold school captain. I'm like their father. Slash, oh, thank you. Uh, I don't know. I should be too proud you of it. Put that out on uh, social media. Yeah, Have you even but announced that yet? Yeah, yeah. It's, it'll be out there soon. It's coming <laughs> soon. Um, yeah, but I like to look after the young fellows and we try to run a few plays. It's, it's our job basically every week. Um, we're the opposition, so. We try to identify, you know, a couple of the best players in the other team. They've got a bit of a license to go and do what they really want in practice, and it's good for the young guys to have that experience. And we just need to put pressure on the white and blue team to uh, to try and uh, stop us, I guess. And it's kind of fun being the older guy trying to pick it apart and do little slippery things to try and mess up the the stuff for blue and white. But I don't want to annoy them too much because then Dino will come down on them and they'll feel bad. So it's part <laughs> of my job not to do too much of that. Who have been some of the young guys who might be part of that gold squad who have really impressed you coming in this year? Oh, I think every one of them has done well at times. Uh, you know, Malith's come along. He's realised what he can bring to the game. Campbell's developed through the roof. He's now got his ball handling to a level where he can get into an NPL game and carry the ball. Uh, triplet shooting's always always there. Tommy Coppins, young Sandy kid, he kind of was like a train-on guy. Now he, you know, he's one of our DPs. I think he's... He's a, a player for the future, and I, I'm missing a couple other guys. We got Eric, who comes from Diamond Valley, and Pezza as well. Jock Perry, who's played some NBL games, and those guys are so important because they create, you know, that that team, that extra five that we can rotate through. And um, yeah, they, they're all doing really well. And each every day, someone will do something different and uh, adds something to the group. And I think that's important to, to push the the senior players and the guys who are getting the minutes to keep them on their toes. Yeah, you've been part of the league for a long time. Obviously, came in a while ago played a few years and then went and played in Europe and then came back and, and have had a, a fair bit of success and have seen, you know, seen a lot of talent in this league. Can you talk about, has there been a shift in like the amount of the sort of the depth of talent on each team? It seems like each team can go to their bench and have success. I mean, I kind of came in an era when it was two imports. So that was an extra and there was no next stars or anything like that. So I kind of came in when it was more Aussie talent, I guess. Um, but now, um, yeah, I, I feel, yeah, there is depth, but, but less, less players, uh, like the, the good ones now are staying and playing in the NBL. So you're not losing as many to college as what we used to. So you're probably seeing more young Australian talent than you used to. Whereas back then you get a few who would stay. So, um, yeah, this, the spread's very interesting, um, right now, you know, you've got the, the, the influx of next stars, European kids coming through, um, you know, American players who are drafted coming back and playing another year in the NBL and those kind of things. So I definitely think the spread of talent's there. Um, the, the top end, there's still a bit of a gap between the top and the bottom a little bit, but uh, it's, it's, it's slowly coming up and it's, it's just good to see more, more and more younger players coming through. And I just hope the NBL can allow that going forward so more and more Aussies can, can thrive in their own league. 
and you talk about your era and I guess coming in when you did as a young player and, and really thriving those first few years with the Crocs, you had a few battles with the man next to you. Um, I, I did go back and I'm sorry to do this, but you played 11 times, you two, and Balls won 10 of them. Oh, yeah. Well, not me probably. personally. Not, not me personally. I was with the Hawks then. The Hawks. We all, yeah, we had, I reckon we lost a semi to you. We, that, yeah. that Hawks was our bogey team, man. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't yeah. beat the Hawks. And it went back like with the yeah, Crocs. That's right. It did go. Because they lost a the grand final, yeah. there, I think. And there was a bit of a battle between the coaching staff. And yeah, that, that's that's some long history there. And I think we finally got a win somewhere yeah, towards the end there's of my one, career. One win in there. <laughs> it was three because my yeah, early career. So yeah, because yeah, you yeah. was three years until you took off. Yeah, yeah, I played three years. And then after three years there, I, I left and went to Adelaide. Um, but we were we were really good. So we had, I mean, that was Glenn. You guys played in the grand final. Matt Campbell, yeah, yeah, yeah. played in the grand final. Darnell, me, Darnell, um, um, was, some other guys that you remember. But um, Adam Caporn was on Capes, the team. Matty um, Campbell, yeah, but bunch of good dudes. going out to Townsville was enjoyable. Like his, I mean, they're not in the league anymore, but just as a. It's like a small town, you know, the, the, to go in there and play. The It's connected to the – by a sidewalk, basically, to the casino and mm. where you're staying overnight. Um, but even the court, I mean, it was just only basketball there, the seats to go. It wasn't huge, but atmosphere-wise, obviously, too, because we won there all the time. It was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you must it, it was a good that. place to play. It was a yeah, good place. Yeah, apart from play. Hawks. But, uh, yeah, it was um, – the Crocs were kind of like the only club – in that time who were getting regular fans and making yeah. good crowd. Like it was sellouts, always sellouts. I remember yeah. we'd get, we'd get charged if we didn't use our tickets. Like we always had to make sure we, we all got our two tickets and we'd get, we'd have to pay for them if we didn't use them. So oh, right. yeah, there was like, they were so big <laughs> into ticket. like, yeah, it was, it was a big, we were a big ticket up there and it was, it was a lot of fun to play up there in that time. And it, it's really sad to see him, see him out of the league. Cause there's actually basketball up there. It's huge. It's a massive, I don't know in my time away or whatever's happened up there, but it's, it's a little bit, Sad to see the kind of the demise of the club because it was such a ma- massive franchise and um, yeah, I really enjoyed my time up there. But you know, some some things just happen for a reason, I guess. And maybe one day they'll get back. Who knows? Mm. What what has sorry Ben? What has changed? So okay, from your first year in Townsville would have been two thousand seven, two thousand four. Sorry, two thousand four. After that, you left. Yeah. Two thousand four. That was my first year out here, basically. Uh, maybe with the year before. Yeah, that. I was oh four oh five. Yeah. But. Think to, from then to now, you know, the start of your playing career to nearing the end. Like, what's, I mean, the difference in trainers and film that you're watching and what you're doing in practice other than just practicing. You mm-hmm. know, you guys are out here. Everyone before practice has stuff they're supposed to do, like a specific thing. Not just, yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not just yeah, go like out. Standing on a Yeah, thing yeah and, like and, stretch your hamstrings yeah. a couple of times yeah. and, and get a couple of shots up. Uh, but it's very specific now. I mean, can you talk about the, the evolution of yeah. the basketball here? I mean, I came in my first year was with Ian Stacker. We, he was a little bit of – he did his a little bit differently. He was more European model. We were the, one of the only clubs who would do two-a-days. So we would practice like 11 to – or 9 to 11 in the morning. Then we'd come back for a five to seven session at night. And in between you just go sit in your air conditioner because it was so hot. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I would say probably the main things like the technology side of things has changed so much now from when I played. Like I remember the assistant coach would just put a video on, hit play, and we'd, that was the that was the breakdown of the game and it would be a few notes here and then now. Like everyone's got their own clips where they can see – the exact moment where they made a mistake or did something good and like the information that there's just so much more information now to when 
to when I played. Even the, the television, it was only one game a week. I think it was Big Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. That was on TV <laughs> if you were lucky enough to play in that. Uh, like I'd, probably some of my greatest games just don't exist. Yeah, you, can't, you, you couldn't where, get the film I, I don't sometimes. know where you'd find it because someone would hide it. or You'd have to rely on the yeah, other rely team, on to, the other team the to give it to you. Just so, to even scout. Yeah, they're, they're like two pretty big things. And then you got like the, the weights and the way you train, I guess – we weren't really restricted at all. You were just training until you were tired and that, that was that. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was no catapult. And then we'd go sit in the ice bath and our major sponsor was Coca-Cola so we'd sit there and have a Coke in the ice bath <laughs> and got our bodies right for, for Saturday night. Maybe that's why we lost to the Hawks. Um, but, yeah, just a different time. Uh, like our owner was – our major sponsor was McDonald's and he would get annoyed if we were eating anything but McDonald's. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how that flies these days. <laughs> Sorry to Hungry Jacks. I know it's a Hungry Jacks league. But, um, you can get the healthy option. Yeah, healthy yeah, option. yeah. He, that's what he would say. Just get the healthy option. Okay. <laughs> well, Ball, Balls has said before that his go-to meal after practice was two cheeseburgers and a large Coke, wasn't four it? Four cheeseburgers. Oh, sorry, four cheeseburgers. Large yeah, yeah, that was yeah, – because if you were lean, yeah, you got to bulk up. That's yeah. it. You go bulk up, mate. You know, yeah, I wasn't that lean. Cheese, were you trying yeah. to bulk up, Balls? No, I, I <laughs> was hungry. But I was already bulked. But. but Yeah, they're the main things, just the, the – yeah, the technology – the professionalism is probably a lot different oh, now. Way different. Like, Even uh, the yeah. like, you look at your guys' practice now. I know United covers all bases. Got to be better than any other team in the league. But there's so many peripheral people during the practices. Yeah, like you know, do the trainers. I mean, just yeah, you everything. got three physios. Yeah, you got when uh, we were playing, a video, like, you got a guy sitting there with a video replaying <laughs> live while you're, like, while you're going. So you don't even need to wait for the video session. With the Hawks, it was yeah. we had one coach, Brendan, and he was the main coach. There was two assistants that didn't get to talk much. And that was it. There was no physio. Yeah. If you got hurt, it was you like down, you had to go, go see to the clinic. physio. You had to drive yourself yeah. you go to go to the see the physio. Yeah. yeah, was it like like that in Townsville? Yeah, very similar. Um, we, we were probably lucky there. Wollongong similar, but it was a smaller town, so you could um, you could get around quite easy. But like you didn't know any better, and yeah. it was funny because I would talk to guys from other clubs, and they were like, "Oh, you guys are way ahead of us. Like you, <laughs> we had our own facility. Like we had actually an air conditioned." training court and those kind of things, which other clubs weren't even doing that. They were rocking up at associations and using their facilities. So, yeah, I say, yeah, it was before – like Townsville was probably a little bit before its time with the way they had their, their set up. The whole club was on – it was similar to this actually, very similar. So, um, yeah, the game's definitely come a long way. There's 10 teams now. Oh, no, it might have been 10. I can't remember. Oh, there's there's like 12. Some teams are gone yeah. and some teams Barely, have come. Yeah. But um, – you guys used to give us... It's pretty in intense. Like, we played back-to-back. -back. Like, there's a lot of Friday-Saturday games. Yeah. Now yeah, there's... A, yeah, you do the double... Yeah, yeah, or you yeah. go Adelaide-Perth, Melbourne-Melbourne when there was two Melbourne. So there's the scheduling's probably changed a little bit. The game was longer. There was 48 minutes, so there was more more time for players to get out there and do their thing, I guess. Basically, you're saying we were tougher. Like, players were tougher. Uh, I don't want to get into that battle because I've been lucky enough to play through two errors. So it's not easy, not any easier now than what it was, believe me, no, running around no. with these guys every week. I don't want to sound like an old, bitter guy. <laughs> but you used to have – so Townsville was the last team to actually give you a cooler beer after the game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that, that didn't – You were required there was always to do beer. that. But, yeah, but when – before I got here, not long before, every team – Gave the opposing team a cooler full of beer for after the game. Post -game. Really? Yeah. And just professionalism just got, got – there's no more grog in the change rooms, boys. We're no, getting I, serious now. Never. But, Absolutely yeah, back not. then it was um, – They say one beer or two beers right after the game is good for you. Have you heard that? Because of the yeah, carbs. You hydrate. Yeah, 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 carbs. Carbs That's what hydration. they did. That, that's what the trainers said. So. I remember my first road trip I might have – my, I just left the AOS. We'd gone over to Perth to play. Overcarbed maybe after the game. Oh, no, <laughs> we're not getting there yet. But we get, we're going over to Perth to play some preseason games. Uh, I can't remember who was playing for Perth. 
But I remember we got a we got a twelve seater van from Perth down to this place. Might have been a four hour drive or something. So we played the game. Well, we're going back to Perth after the game, boys. First stop, bottle shop. <laughs> <laughs> Big, you know, I'm sitting here watching my teammates just down in these VB beers. I'm like, okay, this is the NBL. How good? <laughs> um, you know, we're on. So yeah, different different time. A different era and then I guess a, a pretty big shift for you. You have your three years in Townsville and then you go to Europe and spend a decade over there. What was that, you know, how different was that going over and seeing, a, I guess, a different brand of basketball, a different culture, a different style of basketball? How different was that for you? Yeah, I'd been lucky enough to um, – so I, I ended up – I was drafted by Houston and they wanted me to go and play, I guess, in a stronger – they felt the NBL at that time wasn't – like because I was doing really well. They must have been like, this, he's a kid. How is he killing everyone? He needs to go test himself. And um, I, um, yeah, ended up landed in, in Greece, a team called Panionius, uh, down in the south of Athens there and signed a one-year deal with them. And, um, yeah, it was – a it was my first day of practice, the coach says to me, you can survive here, you can play anywhere. So I was like, okay, that's a bit of a heads up how the situation's going to be here. And the next thing I know, I'm on a four-hour drive to the mountains. So I'm just sitting in the car, no one's speaking, we're just driving to the mountains. I'm like, where, where are we going? We go, oh, we go to the mountains for two weeks of training camp. So I haven't <laughs> even been to my house yet. So I just <laughs> lobbed onto Athens, straight into the car. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was quite an eye-opening experience for a 21-year-old and they dump a heap of cash into you and they go, this is yours, this is your salary. I went, oh, okay, no bank transfer, you got to look after that yourself. <laughs> So I hid that somewhere and just went about my business. And I guess I, I was lucky that I kind of – that was my first exposure in a way in such a tough league and country that, yeah, like you said, if you survive here, you can survive anywhere. And the team ended up doing really well. We ended up coming third in the league. The team qualified for EuroLeague. And, yeah, it was a great rookie season to, in Europe, sorry. And then from there, did you, did you ever have an itch to like, oh, I want to come back and play in the NBL or was it just – this is a style of basketball I like playing in because obviously you sort of carved out a, a really solid career for yourself overseas. Yeah, I mean, when I kind of – basketball was at a funny time, like when I was coming into the NBL. It was, the NBL was in a bit of a – like balls can comment. It was in a phase where it was they're trying to figure out who owns the league, who owns the teams. There's some money issues here and there and there was a bit of uncertainty about the future of the league. So not a lot of guys were committing to it. They were all going to college. My, my whole thinking was I want to back myself and make the Olympic team in, in Beijing uh, 2008. So that was three years after I'd so started playing and I was lucky enough to achieve that. So that was my big goal, not necessarily NBA or anything like that. And I wanted to be a career professional basketball player, which for a young guy in Australia in probably the mid to late 2000s, early 2000s, wasn't an easy thing to do because the 90s was kind of the, the, the good era. Then it kind of dropped off a bit. So... You know, I, I didn't go to college or anything like that. I didn't don't have a degree. So I backed myself into be a pro basketballer. So the best option for me was to follow the footsteps of guys like Matty Nielsen, Dave Anderson. These were the trailblazers. Damien Ryan had gone over to Europe, made a good career of things. And I was like, I want to be like those guys. So, yeah, after my first year there, I was like, well, this is where I'm at. I just want to find the best situation for me for wherever I can be for the next however period of time. Coming home didn't really excite me that much I was doing really well over there the league was was building slowly and slowly here I kept an eye on it. I knew who was winning who was playing well I was a little bit envious like oh I feel like I could do that you know but you know at the same time I'm setting up a pretty good living for myself over in Europe and I got to come home for holidays once a year once a year with that how long was holidays uh about six weeks I'd get off Jeez. so you do long. a 10 months six weeks home then you'd be with the national team for four weeks and then, yeah, back on the plane. National team was like your little family time. That was cool. Yeah. 
It's interesting you say that about Europe because Balls said you ran off to Europe because you were afraid of him. Well, I was sick of losing to the bloody Hawks, mate. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know I did this podcast was Hawks chat, but anyway. I think everyone knew after you were here for a little bit you were, you were on to bigger things. But you're right. So, like, in that era, like, nobody was sticking around if they – Yeah, not, if you, not if, that you didn't yeah. have to, but if you hadn't, like, Europe was – now it's not the same anymore, but far and away better. And obviously the NBA was when I came and they were like, there were some agents like, no, you don't go, you don't go to the NBA at the start of your career. That's where you go at the end of your career if you're an import. Um, but that's very much changed now. Yeah, it's de- for sure. And like you, you look to the NBA, Bogues was like the only one who got drafted and he was number one pick. Like it was pretty hard time to, to crack that as well. So uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Europe was kind of the destination uh, for, for myself at that time, and yeah, I'm, I've no regrets about going over there. And over your time in Europe, you played against some pretty impressive players. C- can you sort of list off any names that were like, you know, these were some of the toughest guys to guard, or these were some of the most impressive? I, I, you know, even towards the end of your time in Europe, you played against a teenage Luka Doncic, you know, with Real Madrid. Who were some of the more impressive guys you went up against? Oh, I mean, in the Greek league alone, you had guys like Spinoulis, mm. Vasilis Spinoulis. He's a two, like two or three time Euroleague champ. D- uh, Dimitris Diamantidis, another great Greek player. Um, Greek no- no- Navarro. I dealt with Navarro Juan a few Carlos times. Navarro. Off about 50 pin downs. Rudy, <laughs> Ricky. Um, Greek Shaq. Uh, yeah, Baby Shaq. I do, <laughs> I, 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 we have a long history with Baby Shaq. Uh, he, um, Scorchinides, his name was. He, um, he was at our World Cup. That we happened to win in in 2019, so he was there. Actually, have something in my pocket from that. Uh, World oh Cup. wow! Hey. Oh hello! Hey. Look at that. That's the uh, the Zoom gold medal. So there you go, boys. That's the gold medal. That's from the gold medal from under 19s, uh, 2003. The reason why it was in my locker because we had a reunion about yeah, uh, like, a month ago, and that was and, an impressive. Uh, that was an impressive Australian. Yeah, team. yeah, that was a cool team. And I just happened to have that there. That's that? That, that that's didn't mean to segue, but yeah, that was in my pocket. <laughs> gold medal. So that was before that I team? started. Uh, that was myself. Like Reese, Reese, Bo, Reese, Reese, Reese Bo. Okay, yeah, like Brad. I was Robbins Reese's backup. Robbo. Yeah, Robbo. Uh, <laughs> Robbo's a Damian Martin, legend. Stevie Markovic, yeah. Aaron Bruce, Sam Harris, Mitch Selwood, Alex Marich, Blago Yanov, Matty Knight. I may have missed one. Rob Beveridge was the coach. Uh, Marty Clark was the assistant coach. And that, that was a huge, huge deal. With oh, well, it was kind of like my thing was, yeah, we made it on sports tonight. Remember sports tonight? Like, yeah, we made sports tonight. That was like the big deal. There was no uh, YouTube or anything, so it's pretty hard to find footage of the games. But, um, yeah, we, we just – a bunch of guys from uh, – a bunch of Aussie blokes. We didn't do any tours. We went to – we might have played in the Schweizer Cup two years earlier, didn't place anywhere, came back to Australia, basically just lived and breathed as a team for two years at AIS – I was a little bit late to the party because I was like a late developer. And then uh, we rolled into a pre-season ta- pre-tournament in Thess- near Thessaloniki, a bit further north, played there, won three games. Like, oh, we might be right here. In the me- uh, meanwhile, we're all out getting tans, getting sunburned <laughs> and getting in trouble from the coach for not taking it serious. Two weeks later, we won a gold medal. So, uh, yeah, great great team, you know, obviously Bogues, Damien Martin, huge names. And uh, to be a part of that was probably one of my proudest memories. Yeah, were there some of the – you talk about Baby Shack being in that tournament. Were there some other names that maybe listeners would, would be yeah, familiar with? Yeah, uh, Linus – remember Linus Kleiser? Yeah. Yeah, he was an all-star five player. Rocco Ukic played in the NBA a little bit. Uh, JJ Redick was there. Uh, Deron Williams was there. Uh, yeah, a p- bunch of guys who probably fringe NBA, but they were, they were very good players. Um, yeah, huge, huge honour. Um, we go back to talking about Doncic before, right? Mm. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to – 
my, my team in Grand Canaria made the Copa del Rey final, which is a big deal. It's basically at the mid, midpoint of the season, the top eight playing a top eight tournament, similar to how the NBA just did it, but it's a knockout thing over a weekend. And we made the grand final, Grand Canaria. We played Real Madrid. So budget-wise, city-wise, huge mm. mismatch. Anyway, it was, it was a, we played quite well. We, we went down in the end. But all my, my only Doncic memory was like, we were matched because he was kind of playing the three back then. And I was trying to box him out, and he's jumped over me, and ripped the rebound out of the end. I'm like he's only seventeen. <laughs> I was twenty eight at the time, thinking, "Wow, this guy's got a long way to go." And the funny thing was, three years earlier, we played in the same tournament, and they had this thing called the Mini Copa, where the kids play like the under fourteens or whatever, and they had this little tournament going at the same time as the seniors. So when we after our shoot around, the kids would be doing their game over in the side courts. So I remember we were just watching a bit of Real Madrid playing. Luca was playing. He would have been like 14 thinking, oh, my God, this guy's coming for all our jobs. <laughs> anyway, he did and he's, he's doing pretty well. But um, as far as probably toughest, best player I played against in Europe, uh, it, it was probably playing for Australia uh, was Manu Ginobili. Oh. Yeah, he was the hardest matchup I've ever had, I reckon, because he, he was left-handed. Um, he could get to the hoop. He knew the FIBA game really well. And, and I'm saying this in front of guys like Kobe, LeBron, other guys I'm lucky enough to play against, but Manu was – Definitely the hardest one to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been so great to hear a bit about your career up to this point and uh, we're going to go into a short break and then we're going to come back. Balls has got some questions for you with Fast Five. Want to stay up to date with everything happening in Melbourne United? Download the Melbourne United app today. Filled with videos, audio and articles about your favourite team. It's the one-stop shop for everything Melbourne United. Download the Melbourne United app via the App Store on iOS or the Google Play Store on Android. And we're back on the Extra Pass podcast and it's time for Fast Five with Balls. You ready? This is Fast Five with Balls. Been waiting for this the whole time. Now we're on to the, uh, the fun stuff. Yeah, they're hard hitting, so I hope you're ready. Okay, Brad, as you can see here, I've written this on yellow legal pad. So that means it's extra important. I think that's the first time I've done that. Um, and I'm not lying for the folks at home. Okay. All right. First question. Since this is a Christmas episode. It's a holiday. Holiday extravaganza. Uh, what are your Christmas traditions with, with your family? Do you have any unique ones? What are we talking about Christmas wise? You nervous? You got your, you got your shopping done? What's going on? Yeah. So our, my, our Christmas situation, given my career and my wife's career and where we live and where our families are, it pretty much changes every year. I've had Christmases in Lithuania where it was minus 30 degrees. I've had Christmases in Athens with my wife just by ourselves. I've had my family come over for Christmas. I've had played on Christmas Day. We won't go into that. Um, yeah, been very uh, – had a lot of different options. But one thing that kind of sticks is uh, typically I would have a breakfast. I try to have a breakfast with my family in Adelaide. So if I'm in Adelaide, I'll have breakfast with my, my, my direct family. So my mum and dad and sometimes my sister's there and her, her family as well. But um, – that's what's going to happen this year, which we're lucky. And then the afternoon, we normally go to my in-laws, so Bridget's family, which is just around the corner from where, from where we are. So it's not too stressful. But we typically we do a uh, Santa, what do you call it, where you get a name. What's it called? The, the KK. The KK, yeah. yeah. So my wife's family, each of the siblings, now us in-laws are involved too. We've got to buy for someone. And we normally get a WhatsApp about a month out from Christmas <laughs> about who you're going to get. And there's like a list. It's, it's pretty extravagant. So oh, yeah. it's very organised and, um, yeah, fingers crossed for some golf stuff. Is there, <laughs> is there a limit? Like is there, I mean. Typically there is a limit. Typically there is a limit. About 150 bucks, I think. 150 yeah. bucks? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, you only get one gift. That's true. It's so only one. So yeah. it saves, yeah, it's yeah, one it saves gift. money in the long run. 
But now there's that we've all got kids now, so yeah, you got both, yeah. there's four siblings, two kids each. It's almost te- almost ten kids now. So I'm like, why don't we put the kids in it now? Instead of buying one thing for each kid, have a kid sweep, and the parent of the kid buys for them. Or not get anything for the adults and get the kids. Oh, wait, the parents just tap out. We've had our time. Maybe. Yeah. Sure. That's that's a lot of pressure. 150 bucks is yeah, like, it, it get gets me up to 150. I don't I've want seen to... more being spent before, and I've seen less being spent before, and there's been other. There's been controversy. So yeah, well, yeah. when it's that high, and it depends who you get too. Like if well, you I get, would just say, give me a, give me 150 dollars <laughs> or like a gift give card. Some, or cash, yeah, give me cash has been thrown around. <laughs> cash in an envelope definitely been thrown. Yeah, around. that's. But that'll that'll happen Christmas Day over at my brother-in-law David's house. Vintelope wine. Check it out. Oh, I, I've had some Vintelopa. I quite enjoy it. Oh, well, we'll maybe be good and I might get you a bottle, mate. Oh, Vintelopa wine. I've heard of that. Wait. Don't try to get into in it In Adelaide. Now. Adelaide, there. That's the guy with the, the – he's got – Yeah, that's Dave. That's my brother-in-law. That's your brother-in-law. I didn't yeah, know yeah, that. yeah. I've done art for that's him Dave. before. A long yeah, you would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played a bit of basketball here and there. Yeah. And good no. friends of Jacob. I didn't uh, – yeah, Jake. Yeah, yeah, did he? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a good my, man. One of my good buddies. All right. Well, that's a good connection. Yeah. Look at that. Just on the podcast live. Shout out to him. brother. All right. Ventiloper Wines, our new sponsor. There you go. I'll let him know. Okay, this is my favorite question, and I'm especially excited to ask uh, you because you're of age. Um, well, you usually leave this till last. You're I know. I couldn't early. wait. I couldn't wait. I couldn't That's wait. Me. Okay. What was your first CD? Now, don't answer yet. I looked, you know, when you were born, you would have been about 12 years old around 1997. Um, that is just a guess. Your first CD that you bought or maybe even were gifted because you probably don't have a ton of money at year 12, or even when you're 12 years old. Okay, here's my three guesses. Freak Show by Silverchair. I knew of it, didn't have it. Dude Ranch, Blink-182. No of it, didn't have it. Songs from the South by Paul Kelly. If I know of that, but boy, didn't have country it. Music fan. Okay, My first wrong. CD, so I reckon I was about, was Dangerous by Michael Jackson. Wow. That's early. Dang, that's yeah, late yeah. 80s. Or maybe no, late No, I was 80s. like 92, I reckon. I was oh, about dangerous. seven. Dangerous, yeah, with black remember and white. Da- yeah, yeah, black and white. I can see the color, yeah, cover. Yeah, 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 I had that CD. Yeah, I remember that one very clearly. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's one of our better ones. Now, do you have any? But I know I had all them in my, um, in what the was wallet? the OG, um, the first I ever thought, kind of downloading LimeWire? It was before We talk about that. No, we're not allowed to. I had CDs and cassettes. My parents were a bit older, so I got exposed to... Older stuff. My mates were the ones who listened to all that stuff. Uh, are, you still, are you still a CD guy? Do you own any nah. CDs? Oh, I do. They're all at my parents' house you in a big trunk. CDs. Oh. In a big trunk somewhere. There'd be, I reckon, there'd be hundreds of them. Really? Yeah. That'd yeah, be awesome. Hundreds. Let's. We should. We, we need to get that trunk. And get it. Yeah, that trunk has got <laughs> stuff. Yeah, man. DVDs, old game. They might. My, my game tapes might be there. <laughs> Taped off Fox yeah, Sports. Yeah, that disappeared. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's a great answer. Uh, okay. Uh, so you're an Adelaide boy. Uh, you did move around a bit in your youth, correct? Big time, yeah. Northern so Territory, do you want me to open up on that a little bit? Yeah, well, let's talk. Yeah, let's uh, just go for it. Um, so my dad was a bank manager. So he was a career man and my mum looked after me and my sister. Uh, I was born in Adelaide. I lived there till I was about eight years old, nine years old, and was getting my, into my basketball, playing for the Forestville Eagles, loving life. And dad said, oh, i got a bank transfer. We're moving to Alice Springs. So I was like, oh, okay. Ooh, I just, just started playing junior ball. Now we're moving up to Alice. They didn't even have uniforms up there. So <laughs> I get up there and there's a young Mitch McCarron running around. He really? was His dad was my coach. And I remember Macca throwing basketballs into bins and things like that. I was a real young kid. and <laughs> um, Yeah, it was. Pr- and my dad ended up running the basketball club. So 
he kind of like took it upon himself to establish the hoops up there and we ended up having a third court being built up there and that was pretty cool and kind of got stuck. I was playing footy, cricket, tennis, all the sports you can think of and then uh, Dad got a transfer to the Sunshine Coast. So I went from the desert to the coast, did another three years up there just part of his job and once again getting into my junior basketball again, kind of cracked a bit of a state squad with Queensland South. I was playing for Maruchador up there on the oh, yeah. Sunshine Coast. Uh, yeah, love love my time up there. Then dad, my dad retired from the bank at a very young age, like fifty one, I think. And then uh, we moved back to Adelaide, where we kept our family home, and kind of restarted again from there. And lucky enough, ended up in Canberra when I was seventeen at the COE. Oh yes, sorry. Okay, but there you how? Go. There's a quick one. You played with Joe Ingles. You going with the same high school? Yeah, we. Um, Joe was in year eight, I reckon, when I was in year ten at uh, Pasadena High School in Adelaide. Uh, just the lo- local high school, nothing special. We're just two young fellas. I we used to walk home from school together. He was in my sister's class. Didn't do any schoolwork. <laughs> it uh, wasn't even a, it wasn't even a basketball school. It, it was. It kind of it was becoming because the Sturt Basketball Club they'd lost their 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 association to a fire, so they were re- borrowing Forestville's old stadium while their new one was being built, which was going to be built at my school, which was just a Bit of a coincidence. There was a basketball program and I was kind of in the first year of the basketball program and Joe just went there because it was a lo- near his mum's house and I went there because it was near my parents' house and that, that's just how we ended up on the same high school team and, yeah, spent a lot of time together as, as young fellas and, yeah, pretty pretty cool path we've taken. Well, I, here's my question. How do neither of you end up in the, in the 36ers program, like as a development of learning nothing? Yeah, about- I, there's How like does that I, I don't have any like people. Some people seem to think there's like some hard feelings or they did something wrong. Or um, we were both like I was pretty heavily recruited by Adelaide. I had was recruited by pretty much every club in the league. Um, Humble brag. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so Adelaide did put in on some the back. time with you because I know. Well, no, Joe, we did. Didn't. We like I remember going to uh, okay. Sammy's. Remember Sammy's on the marina down there? Yeah, with uh, Phil. Well, my Phil, first year yeah, there, Phil was, was Phil's Phil last and season. Steve and Scotty, yeah. who's up on the coach now. Yeah, uh, Potsy <laughs> was the GM. Oh, I can't yeah. remember who else. We we would go and have um yeah, go and have these big seafood meals and they took me talk too, about right? yeah, <laughs> their, their pitch and you no, know, I, I just looked at the lineup, did a few training sessions and you know, I was interested, but then I guess uh Stacks up in Townsville saw something he he had a close relationship with Barry Barnes. Barry was the AIS kind of head of head of the dorms, like looked after the the residents, sorry it was called and him and I had a good relationship and him and Stax did and he said, this guy's doing pretty well. Why don't you consider bringing him in? And Well, I flew up there for a week at practice. Uh, Mike Kelly took me under his wing and Peter Crawford, Rob Rose. And I was like, this is pretty – Like, I feel like I'm ready to roll here. And Stax said, like, we, we think you can you can help our program straight away. And I had my eye on playing for Australia. That was my dream and that the Australian team was getting a bit older as I was coming into it and I thought I'm a, I'm a good chance here and I'm – playing with two pretty good uh, senior players and Rob Rose and John Riley, who better to learn off at that age. And, yeah, that's how that came into it. Uh, there was no, like, no malice or no crazy cash offer that came along. Or My grandma lived in Townsville, so that had a little bit to do with it, I guess. My mum's from there as well, so I had family up there. Um, so I'm part Queenslander as well. Um, but, yeah, so that, that was cool. Um, yeah, Adelaide... Yeah, I guess it just never really happened, man. Like, uh, uh, I thought it was more of a they just didn't – they were 
No, we had on top we had them. chats. Like it wasn't like they didn't weren't they, they didn't offer you any of the the car park money. That was always the no. The that rumor. was safe for some was, other people. <laughs> that was always uh, the rumor that, that the might have been pre my era. I reckon got car park uh, money, the cash that, I remember that talking, topped up there. Talking to the Tigers, I remember meeting with Lindsay and you know speaking to them, Perth, everyone. So that sounds a lot like college. Yeah. The Hawks. Yeah, spoke to the Hawks. Spoke to the Razorbacks. They were they the Razorbacks were the actual first one to offer me a contract. The Razorbacks. Yeah, the huh? Razorbacks. I remember uh, uh, Gordy McLeod, Robbie Kiddie. You mean the West Sydney Spirit, formerly Razorbacks? Yeah, yeah. They were Razorbacks <laughs> then. They were Razorbacks they were then. For one year, they, they had a bit of a market on the young guys because they would come up to Canberra and watch They had a really good team. At yeah, that time, yeah. They'd John just played Reilly? in the grand final. Yeah, John Reilly. Yeah, but and Johnny uh, had gone to Townsville. Dwight? Dwighty, McKinnon, yeah. Traher, uh, Stevie Markovic, Russ Winder. Yeah, good, good team. Oh, yeah, Russ. Yeah, Sydney, yeah. Gorge was ringing me. Yeah, so I, was, I had options. It wasn't if I just shunned Adelaide or anything like that. It was just, yeah, no hard feeling. But with Joe, I, it might have been different, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I think because Joe, something like they spelled his name wrong or something. Or something. The crazy know. thing with Joe was I thought I'd ruined his career before it even started. So he's come up to Townsville to practice with us because Stax was considering having him come in. So he comes up to practice. We're doing a drill. I've come down and done a spin, and his foot has just snapped his foot in half. Oh, boy. Yeah. Bang. Missed, he, he missed nationals and all this. He came out to do a week of training with Townsville. He's gone home and he's out. He couldn't play under 20s. Wow. So yeah, it was pretty pretty bizarre. He, he was staying with me at the time as well. So oh. yeah, it was it was a bit awkward. But he uh, yeah, he hurt himself, and yeah, I guess he recovered, and the rest is history. An ankle breaker in every sense of the word. Yeah, yeah, it was a spinner. Got him in the spin cycle. Okay, on to question number four. Okay, I checked your Instagram because I googled you, and that came up. Um, now there's mostly just like thirst trap photos of you with your shirt off, <laughs> <laughs> you with your shirt off and stuff like that, doing various sports and various positions. Yeah, no, nah, mostly. All that might have actually been all a couple years stuff. ago. Yeah, no, I think uh, when you don't post on there very often. Some of the nah, do you? Oh, I just do stories normally. I don't really stories, post. Uh, stories, what do you call man. it? On the my grid is kind of a bit boring, I guess. Well, yeah. not boring, just. Dad from Melbourne, yeah. But uh, in your uh, profile photo, you're you're having a coffee. So, and you're also having a coffee now. Oh, I'm having a coffee now. So now. thanks to Delhi, Matthew Delavandeva, number eight. Your did he make it or that's his? No, nah, he went and picked it up for me. He oh. was getting coffee for someone oh, else, and I just texted him saying strong latte, Del, and uh, he come through with the goods. Didn't even respond to the text. Just happened. So what a guy. What a man. What a man. So, so you're a coffee guy, I guess. That's what I'm trying to get to. And you know, what's your order? Do you make it at home? Do you do you have a so I have two different coffees a day. Uh, my wife and I we start the day with a long black. So that's just straight prods. We put the pods in oh, the, the pods. thing. It's bang not, bang. Yeah. Have our that's that's us for the day. We're on. But okay. it's a quick one. Or is it you sip or is it no? You go just two shots, boiling water. We talk over breakfast while she makes the kids lunches, and I watch <laughs> and read the newspaper. Half an hour. I still read the newspaper, believe it or not. I get it delivered. That is Don't judge thing. me. No, Don't that's a me. good thing. I miss uh, newspapers. No, I read Brad, the newspaper you, every morning. Did you say you were on the back page the other day? Oh, I, yeah, that's how I found out. So, yeah, you, the guy gets on the court. What happens? Media. Yeah. Media Street. <laughs> Hello. Back page. Uh, but, yeah, um, yeah, just that's my morning coffee. And then in the afternoon uh, after practice I'll get home, I'll grab my dog and I'll go for a walk down a street in a suburb that I live in not far from here. And uh, stop at the local cafe, and I'll either get a if it's if it's cold outside, a strong latte. And just recently, I've been getting a super special strong iced latte with a little bit of sugar in it. Oh, there we go. Just a little bit of sugar, just to give it a little kick, you know. That's that's my uh, routine. Don't they always? Is it iced coffee? Doesn't that always have a bunch of sugar? Or you got no, add you got to add it. 
Like the McDonald's one, though. They have a ton of sugar. They already yeah, yeah, preloaded. Yeah, if you get one yeah. from a cafe, they won't put sugar in it. Then I'll just say, can you just put a little bit of sugar in it? Just to make it sweet. I don't have it normally in my other coffees. Is there a point in the day, I know a lot of people are like, I can't have a coffee after X time because mm-hmm. it'll keep me. Is there a point in the day where you're like, no coffee? Um, Probably three, three after pickup. You wouldn't have a coffee after school pickup. You have it before pickup, so you got energy for the rest of the day. <laughs> um, I don't know. Kids will do that to you yeah. real quick. Um, if we're playing, like an eight o'clock game, I'll probably have one. My normal routine, then have a little, just get one for the drive on the way in, and just sit in the car and sip on that. It's nice to just have a little coffee and a bit of digital radio on the way into the big game, at John Kane. Lovely. My well, my partner yeah, I was has. Going to ask, what's she, your coffee? Well, I don't. I don't practices. drink coffee. I'm a. No coffee. Yeah. I never drank coffee till I was about what was I? Twenty four, I reckon. Yeah, I'm still waiting for I, that um, to I had my first my first coffee was a Greek coffee, so that was that was interesting, to say the least. What's a Greek? Is it? Oh, it's this real strong, like a shorter mm, kind sure. of. Like, but but I've learned they've got these things called a frappaducky, which is beautiful. It's like a it's like an Aussie long black iced long black with all this cream and ice. Oh, it's <laughs> very good, man. Very sweet. Not good for you, but it gets you going. They call it the Freddo Cappuccino is the, the official name. Ooh, they used to call it a frappaducky. <laughs> Give me a frappaducky, please. What about you, Ben? What were you saying? Well, yeah, I, Sorry, I don't have – no, that's fine. I've taken over your show. That's fine, Brad. I love it. I'm gunning for you. we got go a chance go to on. talk every once in a while. No, I was going to say my – because my partner is a person who will have a coffee at 8 o'clock at night. Yeah, I could and, do the same. And it's just like, day. oh, it helps me sleep. Yeah, and I just never understood a, that. Like it, if you just had a like a – Quick shot on a like I, I've I know people like that as well. Dave Anderson who does that, uh, yeah, interesting tactics. Big John likes a like night coffee. I've been out for dinner with Big John and he's had a coffee and I'm like, he's staying up all night. Like a full coffee or like a post dinner, like, like a espresso with sugar in it or something. Yeah, it's an Italian thing. The post dinner, mm. uh, short black. Back to my Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about your Instagram now. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't see any. I couldn't log in. I'm not on Instagram, but I didn't see any with your shirt off, unfortunately. Uh, you have to do a caricature of me in my shirt I'll off. Shirt Let's off. Do it. I need a shirt off photo yeah. first. Che- cheese right. grad abs. <laughs> Give me six weeks. No, I don't want abs. Abs are boring. I mean, people pipes. that are like. Who wants pipes? People that look like traditionally beautiful. I'm not saying none of us here look, aren't traditionally beautiful, like models, like GQ yeah. models. They're, those people are boring to draw. It's not fun. Like you, you got to have quirks. Yeah, you need some quirks. Yeah. You need some some weird, you know, aspects to big you. head or something. Yeah, that make you uh, who you are, and they're a lot more fun to draw. Okay, moving on. All right. So, I mean, traveling around Europe for ten years playing basketball, you would have stories for days. Like mm-hmm. we, this podcast could go on for. Yeah, a long, it might end up in audio book. <laughs> Ooh, maybe that's next. There you go. We'll talk to Vinaloper about that. <laughs> uh, Sponsored by what? Okay, so just Pino. we'll just make it short. What's your craziest uh, Euro environment to play in that you can remember? Um, probably we played a Euro Cup game. I was playing for Gran Canaria, and we had to play a team called is in a town. What was it called? It was like a big semi-final kind of game, and I'll think of the Izmir. The team was Izmir, so it's a town, coastal Turkey. Karashaka Izmir. So their whole their whole town gets behind the basketball team basically. And we arrived uh, two hours before the game, like you do at John Kane, and they're already there. Five, five and a half, six thousand people just going absolutely crazy, yelling, throwing stuff. We're not even on. We're in the change room. Didn't even go out and do pregame shooting. Didn't. Even, oh, really? Not, even gonna bo- not even going to bother. Not even going to. Don't bother with that. <laughs> just worry about the game. Anyway, this was to make the the Euro Cup semis. So we'd had a huge season. 
um, the, the team. So when I first got there, we were like relegation. Then the next four years, we were playoff teams, making finals. Uh, it, was, it was a great experience. Anyway, so we played them and just the whole game, shaking the place was shaped. The fans could actually shake the backboard. And they, they were like they, they, Yeah, they could actually act, almost get behind there and they shake it. Jeez. Laser pointers at the free oh. throw line. Like just the works, you name it. And it was really cool. Like this was the most feral place to play in, in, in Europe, in Turkey. And uh, we were just a bunch of boys from Spain trying to get a win and not, not bothering. Police escort to and from the game. You come out one of them tunnels. We're like, we're just playing this game. We're getting out of here. No, Don't showers, nothing. Just play and get out of here. Anyway, we roll in. We get the win. We were just like, this was, no one had won there all year. It was, it was a very hard place to play. They had a really good team. Guys have gone on to do some really good things from that team. Um, I'm sure their fans but, would have taken that loss but really this well. Was, but this was what the coolest thing was. Like, it was so feral. We were up probably 10 with about a minute to go. So the game was home. Our point guards dribbling. We're just moving around the perimeter. And they start clapping for us. The fa- they're all five and a half thousand, six thousand start applauding how well we just played and handled that environment. None of us got into the – we didn't go into the crowd. We just ignored everything that was going on and they applauded us and we walked off. And that was probably one of the coolest moments playing in that environment and then to be applauded for how we handled that environment was, was pretty cool. And we went on and, yeah, we made the final of the Euro Cup. Nice. So, yeah. it's good question. Tough, tough environment to play. I've had similar ones the same. Um, spit – coins um you wouldn't want to take the ball on the outer side and some of the arenas i played in man like we're talking about guys making really good money teams with big five six million dollar million euro budgets playing in these tiny little domestic venues with people just on top of each other going absolutely berserk but um yeah what an experience you know yeah those places can be miserable if you're playing bad like yeah. If you're having a bad game, it's awful. But if you're playing well and embrace it, it's like well, that's yeah, the like thing. We just we we just come out and we said that it's going to be like this. Our coach was an older guy. He coached the Spanish national team. He's a great coach. Uh, he was like 70, 72, so he probably couldn't even hear what was going on. <laughs> um, just switch the hearing aid. He off. just said, "Look, he didn't because he grew up in like the era where things were crazy. I guess in the seventies and eighties, and to him it was probably nothing. So we just embraced that mentality and went about our business. What about personal? Like yeah, the fans get pretty personal pretty quick. Do you have any person like they went at you personally or like one fan? Yeah, I, I wasn't really an antagonistic kind of player. Like I would just play the game. I never got involved in crowd interactions. I, I, I was positive. Like, if we, like I'd be pumping my fist and I had a pretty good following on the island. I had some real good mates there and when my daughter was born over there, like got all these gifts for her and it was pretty cool like the way they, they got around that. But uh, as far as like personal attacks – yeah, no, nothing really that bad happened. But I, my teammate, someone threw a crack, a firecracker on the floor once, hit him in the calf. That was pretty crazy during a game. Um, that's probably, but that wasn't me. But, but it was, yeah, that was probably the craziest thing I'd seen happen as far as teammates. But yeah, probably my mentality didn't cause me to cop any heat, I guess, from the opposition fans. Just went about my business. Awesome. That was great. I told you it was going to be good. I'm going to use this maybe paper next time too. Good we'll fast see. five. I don't know if it was the paper, if it was Brad. I'm Probably sure. wasn't a fast five. <laughs> <laughs> they Just never, shout I, out. I don't think it's we've ever, I don't think we've ever had a fast five. Yeah. yeah. But All no, right. terrific balls. Well, Brad, there's one thing I want to get into before we let you go. And that's mm. leading into this weekend. It's a, another big game against Perth. It's the open air game. You know, it's something you've gotten to experience coming back and, you know, playing in that environment last year and, leading into this, uh, you know, first, first, third. Can you talk a bit about the open air game and I guess the, the thoughts going into this game? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a big one for our, our club's calendar. Um, you, you saw the atmosphere we created last year against Cairns. Uh, just so, so many cool photos and memories from uh, you know the, the environment, and uh, I guess this year it's even bigger because it's, it's a top top three at Perth mm. top. Yeah, they're third. They're up there. You know, it's Perth, Melbourne, big rivalry. Um, you know, you know, it's a big game coming up when there's a few extra people just floating around practice. <laughs> uh, there's something going on. I don't know. Is there enough tickets? I'm not sure. But um, yeah, you know, a big one's coming up when you when you get that many uh, people coming around. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to it personally. Like I really enjoyed it last year. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how some of our new guys how, how they embrace the the environment we're going to play in. Uh, hopefully the weather's all right. I might need some zinc for my nose. If it's going to be sunny, the sun's still out at 8 o'clock, who knows. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, uh, Perth are playing a much faster style of basketball at the moment. Um, Bryce is playing some good hoops. Um, he, you know, he's, he's going to be a focus for, you know, most clubs uh, this time of the year. So, yeah, really looking forward to that game. And then it's Christmas. So what better way to end the year than a big win on open air? Yeah, how good. It- was there a point last year where you're playing the game and you make and you do sort of look up and you're like, oh, it's the night sky? Is it is it very different? Yeah, oh, to be honest, once it's on, no. Like I, maybe because I was probably playing a bit more last year. You know, I might probably this year I'll probably take it in a little bit more. Like no, no, yeah, I, that's my role. I'm happy with it. But um, yeah, I'll probably notice a few more things than I did last year. But yeah, once the ball was in the air, you didn't even really think about it to be honest. And it's only when you look after the game, all the photos, our great media team take and share so um you know that's yeah probably in the heat of the battle you're not really thinking about it too much you, when you run it probably when you ran out i reckon that was the only you felt a little bit of a breeze and saw some bugs but yeah it was, just, it was a great I, I, one of the most fun things i've done well hopefully we can get another big win in the open air game we got a good record in the open air game i think seven and two all time Two two and zero against Perth in open air games. So hopefully we can keep Not that up. Not zero and ten like the Crocs Hawks. Probably. No, no, you did get one, one win over. We got to win. Yeah, I was probably, was like, you're beating up on a kid, mate. I was, was a teenager, man. Yeah, I'm not, Come on, I'm man. Not don't, don't, you. don't be bragging about I think that. The only time we lost maybe was the, the second game on the the back to back cans. Oh, Townsville. Yeah. You almost, they've all been at Gilligan's the night before, that's why. <laughs> Not to brag, but yeah. we almost were the first team to do that twice. In the swing. Yeah. This, to win the swing twice in one season. It was like a Friday, Saturday. Yeah. You cross your fingers to but get we the did. Saturday we game. Lost, we lost to Townsville for that one time. Wow. What an experience. But, no, thanks so much for coming on, Brad. We really appreciate it, hearing all your stories, hearing about the team, and, yeah, hope you enjoyed it. No, thanks for having me, man. Like I said, probably need an audio book to go through my whole life. But, uh, yeah, enjoyed being on the pod. Love to come back. Uh, you never know, mate. That chair over there looks pretty comfy. Yeah, uh, t- it's uh, well, I'm getting a but bit people might now. not want to listen to me. They might want to listen to you, mate. Brad, Brad you, send your votes in. Yeah. Brad, everyone put it out to the public. No, we Future won't host. Oh no, if you three put- three hosts and the we already talked about the guest can. Oh, just be when we get screen. our new, when we get our new studio built, then we'll uh, then That's we'll it. look sponsored at by Vintelopa and Vintelopa Wines down there. Yes, uh, Cuddle Cuddle Creek. I can't remember exactly where it is, but yeah, get get along to Vintelopa. No, well, it was a very exciting episode to have, and. This is our last episode for a few weeks. We're taking a few weeks off over the holiday break and over sort of while the team is is on the road and the office closes here at Hoop City. But thank you for thank you all for listening. Thank you for supporting the podcast through the first twenty seven episodes. It's been it took twenty seven episodes for me to get on. Mate. I know it's a it was an oversight I'm not on far, my part. I'm not far away. No, I know it's a big oversight. I thought we'd already had you. We just talk about you so yeah, much. Yeah, of course you we just already... bring me up all the time, mate. Just, you know, <laughs> we talk about you so much. Of, I thought you're already here. Part of the furniture. You know? <laughs> no, well, make sure you take that gold medal home. And no, thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast, Brad. Thanks for having me.